This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our text that was read earlier came from the book of Jonah, the third chapter and the first through the tenth verses. It reads, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. And he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Mm. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on ashes. Mm. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that day, that they may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. Mm. When God saw their deed, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Mm. Last week, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. Mm -hmm. That celebration was a culmination of the 40-day period that preceded it, which began at Ash Wednesday. Now, for many of us, we ritually received our ashes on Ash Wednesday, joined in some kind of personal fast, participated in weekly Lenten worship services, communed on Maundy Thursday, and celebrated the risen King on Easter Sunday. Year after year, we go through this 40-day period, mainly because we are programmed to follow these rituals religiously without there being much transformation evident in our lives. My point is, if everything remains the same in our lives, we can be sure that next year we'll begin this ritual again repeatedly for another 40-day period. So having come through another Lenten season, here's a question. Mm. What changed in your life? Mm. Do you feel any closer to God now than when you started way back on Ash Wednesday? And to go a step further, has anything that you hoped for changed in the circumstances of your life? Mm. These are important questions that only you can answer. But the real question I have for us today is what are we risking by not taking this period of 40 days seriously. What is really at stake for us and for our nation? Yes, sir. Well, to help guide this examination, I want to preach a message today which I have titled, quite simply, When the Ashes Fade. Mm. 
when the ashes fade. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you now for the preaching hour. May it be a reckoning in each and every one of our souls where we are challenged to examine our own heart. For Lord, it is our heart that is the hope and the healing of the nation. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. America's futility is her idolatry. America's futility is her idolatry. By futility, I mean to say that the United States of America is moving in a direction that is destined to produce outcomes that will be pointless and useless. This futile pursuit is obvious because as we continue to grow and advance, we seem less interested in the value of our collective development as a people. As a nation, we have become callous and indifferent towards common decency, irritable and impatient with one another unkind and uncaring of the vulnerable in our society. Greedy and self-serving, thinking more about our needs than the needs of others. We've become crude, vile, and vulgar in our language, our attitudes, and our general way of life. And much of these behaviors have been exacerbated and accelerated by no-holds-bar social media platforms that seem to know no bounds in spewing filth. Mm. Recently, I chose to close my personal Twitter account because it literally became a toxic cesspool of racism, misogyny, and a vehicle for transmitting both right-wing and left-wing political propaganda aimed at swaying public opinion in order to advance their respective demonic agendas. Yes, School shootings with assault-style weapons have become so common that it does not even phase us anymore when we hear of another occurrence. Mm. I can still remember the tears from former President Obama as he learned about the babies that were gunned down in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. And right after Sandy Hook, everyone said, never again, which sadly today has been made into a lie 54 times over. For there has been 54 school shootings involving gunmen with high-powered rifles killing over 100 people and injuring 156 while forever changing the lives of thousands of families. As a nation, we have, and hear me, church, as a nation, we have become very, very skilled at burying babies. Mm. My Lord. And speaking of babies, while the white evangelical and the Roman Catholic communities decry a woman's right to decide what to do with her own body, there is a deafening silence 
on the more than 135 unarmed black men and women nationwide fatally shot by police officers since 2015. Yeah. And according to NPR, hear this, at least 75% of those officer-involved killings were white men. So the United States of America, with all of the toxicity we see on display today, is moving in a direction that is destined to produce outcomes for all of its citizens that are both pointless and useless. Now, by being idolatrous, I mean to say that the United States of America has become addicted to its own success. There is no question that capitalism and the free market system has made the United States a global superpower as it relates to finance and technology. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The most innovative ideas come from North American companies and our cutting edge technology is moving so quickly that with AI, even our own government is trying to put the brakes on this rapid growth. But all of this nation's success has led us to becoming more high-minded and filled with so much technological hubris that we have become numb to our own demise. Well. In a period of history that has been marked by the financial crisis, the global coronavirus pandemic, a war in Europe, rising government debt and political instability across advanced democracies, the Western era seems to be winding down. In fact, and according to an Oxford historian, Peter Frankopan, we are witnessing, his words, the unraveling of the global order which seems to be steadily moving toward a post-American world, mm. at the heart of which is the rise of militaristic nations like China and North Korea. Brothers and sisters, the pride of America is her idolatrous love affair. American exceptionalism to the point that we have all but denied everything that pertains to God. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who still are people of faith, we know that all knowledge is grounded in God and therefore our nation's thinking becomes futile whenever God is denied. Yeah. In our futile idolatrous thinking, many of us have suppressed what we know to be true and are therefore cursed by becoming prone to easily believing lies. This is why it's so easy for people to buy into this big lie that an election was stolen by a man and people have lost all consciousness in knowing anything that is true. So again, I state, America's futility is her idolatry. And in the prophetic words of Jonah, I proclaim to these United States of America, yet 40 days mm -hmm. and you will be overthrown. Mm. Yet 40 days, yeah. America, and you will be overthrown. Mm -hmm. For those who may not be familiar with the story of Jonah, allow me to give you a brief background. Jonah was a prophet who was called by God to go to a great city called Nineveh. But sadly, Jonah's fear and his pride caused him to run from God as he did not want to go to a place to preach a message of repentance to a people that he despised. Mm. 
You see, Nineveh was a place of utter brutality where the people were, in fact, savages, having spent their whole lives terrorizing people that were peaceful and largely minding their own business. For you see, in Nineveh, you can't drink from the same water fountain as the Ninevites. You see, in, in Nineveh, you can't sit at the same lunch counter with the Ninevites. In Nineveh, you're not allowed equal protection under the law as the Ninevites. In Nineveh, they, they bomb and shoot up your churches. In Nineveh, they even go into your Bible study and kill people. That's what they do in Nineveh. In Nineveh, they burn crosses on your lawns and they bomb your homes and your schools. This is what they do in Nineveh. They, in Nineveh, they choke you to death on the streets. In Nineveh and in Nineveh, they espouse freedom by exploiting Jesus, guns, and babies. Even taking family photos in front of Christmas trees with AR-15s and AK-47s. I'm talking about Nineveh. That's Nineveh. Yeah. And it's no wonder why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh to yeah. preach a message of repentance to a people he despised. For they look at Jonah, the color of his skin, and they think he is less than human. Yes, but God had given him a command. Oh. And even after disobeying God by going away to sea through the providence of a great fish, Jonah was vomited unto the shores of Nineveh to which he had to then go and do what God had commanded him to do. It is here that we find in our text, which I'll read again, where it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, that great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk and cried out and said, Yet 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Yeah. Now brothers and sisters, contrary to popular belief, the 40-day period that Jonah prophesied to the city of Nineveh was not about the destruction of the great city. Mm -hmm. What do you mean, pastor? What, what are you talking about? Yes, yes, that is literally what Jonah said. But if you know anything about a warning, warnings are never designed to destroy. They're always designed to save. Think of it this way. If a fire started in your house and you have smoke detectors, the smoke detectors will sound and make a loud alarm. Not so that you can stay and you and your house be destroyed, but so that you will have enough time to be able to find the source of the fire and perhaps put it out. And even if you can't put it out, to get out of the house immediately. The smoke alarm issued a warning about a fire that could save many lives. The smoke detector was a warning system that was never designed to destroy but was designed to save. Well. So here's Jonah's message to the Ninevites. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You see, Jonah was acting as God's smoke detector and fire alarm moving through the city a whole day's walk, warning the people so that they would take heed and repent. So contrary to popular belief, the 40-day period that Jonah prophesied to the city of Nineveh was not about the destruction of the great city. It was about the grace yeah. from God to repent before the destruction of that city. Yeah. 
This is precisely why I stated before in this message, in the context of the United States of America and in the futility of her idolatry, I repeat these prophetic words, yet 40 days and you will be overthrown. It was not a declaration that the United States of America would be destroyed in 40 days. No. It was not a declaration that the judgment of God was upon this nation. No. It was not a declaration that the chickens have finally come home to roost, as per my brother Malcolm. And it was not a declaration for reparations or else. It was a declaration that the United States of America is still covered under grace. But after the grace, after the grace, after the grace comes the judgment and America still has time. Yet, 40 days and you will be overthrown. For all of the atrocities of this nation, including Native American genocide, chattel slavery, Jim Crow, the lynchings, government-sponsored assassinations, police brutality, apathy and indifference to school shootings and infanticides. There is still among us a pride and a high-mindedness called American exceptionalism. We look at the world and pretend that we're better than everybody else, and it shows up in the arrogance of the dominant class expressing their privilege <coughs> and existence above the laws that were designed to maintain their own self-interest and rabid individualism and ambition. This is why, brothers and sisters, it is so difficult to convict a corrupt president and why there are so many Karens that are skilled at weaponizing police departments for every frivolous attack on their fragility. Yet, 40 days, and the United States of America will be overthrown. But there is still time for America to repent. Now, turning to our text, here is what it says happened after Jonah made the proclamation that the Lord told him to proclaim. Don't miss that. Jonah made a proclamation that the Lord told him to proclaim. Mm -hmm. Jonah did not speak what was on his own mind. Mm. For if it were up to Jonah, there would not have been any grace for the Ninevites. Like I said, and I can't blame him, let's look carefully at what happened after Jonah's preaching. Mm. Verse 5. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let them call on God. Here it is. Let them call on God earnestly that each man may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger, so that we will not perish. The king, the president, the magistrate, Mm. made a decree 
But only after the word had reached him that the people were sincere in their faith in Jonah's words. The people had stopped all normal activities and instead fasted and prayed to God, dressing themselves in sackcloth and ashes. Brothers and sisters, let me make this as plainly as I can. Is this nation mourning for the seven dead in Nashville, Tennessee? Is this nation mourning for the 22 dead in Uvalde, Texas? Is this nation mourning for the 10 dead in Santa Fe, Texas? The 17 dead in Parkland, Florida? The 33 dead in the Virginia Tech shooting? Is this nation mourning for the Emmanuel Nine, or have we already forgotten? And these are just some of the notable mass shootings. I've not even begun to act if this nation is mourning for the atrocities of slavery and the mass lynchings. My point is, this nation has not truly mourned for any of its atrocities. So much so that even on the floor of the United States Senate, Chaplain Barry C. Black said, when babies die at a church school, it is time for us to move beyond thoughts and prayers. That's what America Leaders offers, meaningless thoughts and meaningless prayers, as if they, as leaders, even pray. So where am I going with all of this, Pastor? Where are you going? This is a little heavy on a Sunday morning after Easter Sunday. When the ashes fade. The text tells us that the people of Nineveh believed in God. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The king arose from his throne, laid his robe aside, covered himself with sackcloth, sat on ashes, issued a proclamation forbidding every man and beast from eating and drinking, covering up onto sackcloth, and don't miss, also, don't miss this, also requiring that every man call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in His hands. This is what the king and the people of Nineveh did. They repented. They put on sackcloth, which was a symbol of their mourning. And they sat on ashes as a symbol of their repentance. That's what they did. They recognized their sin, took responsibility for it. But not only that, they repented sincerely for what they had done. They didn't offer up meaningless thoughts and prayers. They repented in faith, turning from their wicked ways and from the violence of their hands. They mourned what they had done, and they gave up their weapons of mass destruction. And they did all of this in faith, when after putting on the sackcloth and ashes, this is what they said. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger that we will not perish. After they did all of that, Then the text says in verse 10, when God saw their deed, that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. (laughs) Jonah waited, if you read the text. Jonah waited to see what God would do after 40 days. 
And the text tells us that God relented and stayed his hand of judgment on the Ninevites. And he did this after seeing the sincerity of their mourning and the repentance of their hearts. The period of 40 days became a transformative experience for both the people and the nation. Are you hearing me? The 40-day period became a period of transformation for the people and for the nation. This is what I mean by when the ashes Fade. After you and I have placed ashes on our foreheads on Ash Wednesday as a symbol of our journey through this 40-day period of Lent, were we sincerely mourning our own brutalities? Were we sincerely and genuinely repentant for how we have mistreated other people? Were we willing to turn from our own wicked ways? Were we willing to turn from the violence of our hands? And if I make it even more personal, were we willing to say that we love God and actually mean it? Were we willing to intentionally love our neighbors as ourselves? Were we willing to genuinely forgive one another as Christ himself has forgiven each of us? And were we willing to die to ourselves in sackcloth and ashes? For unless we are willing to do these things, then we too will be guilty of just going through the motions on the next Lenten season and nothing will change neither in our personal lives or even in our nation and Easter will simply be another occasion to search for Easter eggs and to eat bun and cheese so what will it be for after the 40 days the ashes will have faded away And who knows, who knows, after your ashes have faded away, who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we all will not perish. May the Lord richly, Richly bless you, my beloved.